0: Hello and welcome to the Medjly's podcast, Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty's current affairs talk show focusing on Central Asia. I'm Bruce Panier, host of the Medjly's and author of the weekly Central Asia and Focus newsletter. International Women's Day is coming up on March 8th. For many women, the day holds no meaning. Too many women and girls are victims of violence, often on a regular basis. This is true in Central Asia, and earlier this week, Uzbekistan's parliament had a chance but failed to adopt laws that would have given additional protection to women and girls. The views of society can work against victims of violence, and even when there are laws meant to protect against abuse, these laws are often not enforced. We have discussed this issue before on the Measure podcast, but one of the main problems of violence against women and girls is that it's not talked about enough publicly. So in this session, we will look at what is and is not being done, and what still needs to be done to end violence against women and girls. To discuss all this, I am joined by... Najla Ayobi, a lawyer and a former judge, and a civil society and women's and human rights activist. Najla is currently chief of coalition and global programs at the Every Woman Coalition, an organization that works with more than 2,000 activists in 128 countries. Gulbahar Makamova, who chairs the board of trustees at the Goroqsar Crisis Center and Women's Shelter located in Hojan, Tajikistan, Gulbahar is also on the board of directors of several women's public organizations and nonprofit foundations. One of them is the National Association of Businesswomen of Tajikistan. Laila Nazgul-Saitbek, a lawyer living in exile in Europe, Laila is the chairwoman of the NGO Freedom for Eurasia and a member of the Working Group for the Global Treaty to End All Forms of Violence Against Women and Girls. Thank you all for joining me. And I'd like to start out with Gulbahar. Could you tell me a little bit about the work of, of Gul Saar? Who the people are that come to you, and what the problems are that they uh, that you encounter most often?
1: Uh, thank you very much, first of all uh, for inviting me to join the today's discussion. The problem of domestic violence, preventing all forms of gender discrimination, the operating issues of social services, supporting victims of domestic violence, are extremely relevant and extremely urgent for our society when we established the crisis center back in 1995 it was one of the first crisis center in republic of tajikistan we started with just a telephone hotline and social support services then as we saw the um, size of the problem demand we start started expanding in early 2000 we opened a shelter for 16 beds expanding our rehabilitation programs added social patronage, uh, family and legal consultancy. All this time, we uh, were learning and improving our work, methodologies, internal policy and procedures, registrating calls. Basically, uh, we are, were learning and we are still learning today. We are searching the best practices, best methodologies, Adapting them to Tajikistan's uh, situation and legal framework. And the key is uh, we have not closed our door even for a day in all these 27 years. We are working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No day off, no holidays. Uh, we have uh, gained a solid reputation in our community, making women more Active in standing up for their rights and more eager to ask for help. On average, we receive more than uh, 3,500 calls a year providing support and services for women who suffered from domestic violence with a range of services, uh, hotline, as I mentioned, uh, a comprehensive uh, rehabilitation program, uh, legal advice, etc. More than 100 women with children use the shelter every year uh, with their maximum stay uh, limited to three months. Uh, I must emphasize that we do not limit ourselves to just helping women helping victims of uh, violence post fa- factum a great part of our work is related to education of violence and rising public awareness we conduct uh, trainings and information campaigns in close cooperation with uh, community leaders uh, religious and public figures district uh, police officers and medics we conduct studies um, gather evidence uh, and and lobby, uh, lobby the improvement of the overall uh, protection system, legal protection mechanism against domestic violence. I would like to say that the Crisis Centre played an important role in lo- lobbying the uh, law uh, on the prevention of uh, domestic violence in the family and the national strategy, national programme of um, violence prevention. Uh, and in developing social services such as crisis centers and shelters in the Republic of Tajikistan. As a founder, uh, I stood at the roots of the Crisis Center and women's shelter in 1995. Uh, later, I worked as the executive director and currently as a chair of the Board of Trustees, uh, uh, being part of the governance body, I am responsible for strategic development and fundraising. Uh, right now we have uh, 14 full-time employees and the team. We can um, sometime hiring additional personnel. we can be expanded up to 30 25 persons when we're implementing a large-scale projects, for example. Uh, yes, we're operating more than 27 years and we are, was one of the first uh, crisis center in Tajikistan. This is a very briefly what we do. Um, the organization has a long history and uh, rich experience. We uh, consider ourselves as a resource center for other social service providers in the country.
0: Great, okay, Thank you very much. Najla, uh, as I mentioned in the introduction, um, your organization works in 128 countries around the globe. Um, could you speak a little bit about um, your your organization's activities but but kind of confine it to Central Asia and please I know that you are from Afghanistan so um, talk about uh, the situation in Afghanistan too if you would
2: um thank you so much and I'm glad to be here I would like to start with um, my organization um, we are um, our my organization name is every woman treaty we work in, uh, with, uh, over 2,100 civil society and women's rights activists and frontline activists in 128 countries. And we have been actually working in the past 10 years, advocating and also running a campaign to, um, to the global system change, mainly, um, looking in, in, um, combining for the global treaty. Uh, globally binding treaty or legally binding treaty in violence against women and girls. And um, actually part of our work is that what we do, we are working with with women's rights activists bringing their voices from the grassroots level uh, to the global policy makers' attention and uh, particularly our campaign is we talk to authorities, to the diplomats, to um, uh, heads of states and, and at the level of ministerial level, like Ministry of Women's Affairs, uh, Ministry of uh, Ministries of uh, Foreign Affairs and Justice, and whomever within those countries are responsible for connecting that particular country to the global uh, legal system, or we are talking to them and, um, and and actually part of the work that we have done is very interesting to see identifying the all forms of violence um, different forms of violence consultation which we have done in the past consultation with the um, experts uh, frontline activists and also like um, like authorities that how the um, uh, how violence against women have a huge impact in the in, in what is what is actually really happening which we part of our findings even now um, recently we have it launched the report. It's called Saber Now. And part of the Saber Now is actually we we have the violence against women is in the rising. Before the, the COVID and before the pandemic, we had one in three women were experiencing violence or people around them in their lifetime. But now with COVID, we have one in two women. Our experiences, and also experiencing violence against them, and also at the same time with a conflict um, around the world, including Afghanistan, which I uh, which I bring Afghanistan as a as an example later. What is really happening regarding women, but but at the same time the, the conflict around the world, um, like uh, for instance Afghanistan, uh, Ukraine, and also other places. And also, the cyber uh, violence is just increasing because this is a totally new form of violence. With the with the improvement, with the development, the more um, developed technology we have, the more developed. Unfortunately, the more developed uh, violations are happening. And and also um, the, uh, another piece that we also find that the um, we we believe that the new global treaty, which is essential to the an outspace to this rise, uh, rise in violence, uh, which we believe that the current system is not enough. We have international laws, we have international uh, framework, but those are, of course, helped us to be in this place right now, um, and in fight violence against women. In another sort of like particular name, talking about the CEDAW, which is the, the Convention on the um, Discrimination of all forms of sorry, this, um, all forms of discrimination against women. So that's something that we have um, in, in place. And also we have different um, uh, regional treaties, which is the Istanbul Treaty, Maputo Protocol, and also um, balam Dupara. But these are all regional treaties that only covering women uh, and girls, 25% of women and girls, but 75% of women and girls are out of any uh, regional uh, coverage. Um, particularly fighting and addressing violence against women, which I think, I don't know if some of these countries that we are in Central Asia uh, has joined any uh, regional treaties, but for instance, I, as an African woman, I don't have any treaty to be protected, to protect me and my rights in any of my country women. And also, I think it's also important to mention that the specific the time is basically we are feeling that the time is right now that the point for for the global treaty, the beginning of having a global treaty was even 30 years ago. It, it began 30 years ago, but this still now, with all of these rises in the conflict and in and, um, um, and also um, cyber violence and in domestic violence in 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 all, even the climate change. In a, climate change brings so much violence to women and girls. Unfortunately, we are still waiting. to to women, unfortunately, to women and girls or suffer. That's why we we believe that the time is now. And actually, we are also proposing a very interesting uh, proven intervention, which is, um, which is, um, I can just name them and if, if needed be, I will be, I will explain it more. We propose five proven intervention that reduces or eliminates violence against women. One is the legal framework, which is that um, we we have to have a minimum standard to save lives. And also, when we are reforming the laws or creating the laws, we have to also um, uh, pro- provide the training and accountability to, uh, to, the, to the people who are actually um, the first responders to violence against women, particularly like um, judges, persecutors, police, uh, healthcare providers, or healthcare practitioners and and workers that they have to understand that the law has been changing how they can implement it providing services and i'm glad that um, uh, gulbahar is here that they are providing the shelters medical treatment livelihood support to women uh, who have been um, victims or survivors of violence and also prevention education which is the important piece right now we feel that prevention education is so important that it should be provided for male female adults and, and and teens and children, of course, uh, for men and, and, and uh, women are separate, particularly for men to understand and respect the woman's rights, but also for women, for girls, for teenage girls particularly, to learn and demand, to learn their rights and demand their rights. And then the, another piece that is also very important and crucial for this, uh, one of the proven interventions that it is a because the well, as we know the organizations and the people we are working and in um and generally we are spending uh, 11 cents per female on earth on ending on on violence but what we are also proposing one dollar per female on earth which will be four billion dollar per year and that's um exactly the the amount that will reduce Violence against women and girls, and at the end, we also are trying to uh, proposing the data and monitoring because the current system have not uh, have enough monitoring in um, in in data collection about the implementation of all of those international laws. That's why we need um, to have a um, we call it the scorecard that you have to we you can measure you can get what you measure. If you're not measuring, we don't, we may not get, most of the time we get like, like for instance, in CIRA, we get um, lots of narrative reports, uh, which um uh, unfortunately it, it is, it is ne- just narrative and, and this is all opens the situation for, or opens the, the door for the countries that they can, um, you can interpret uh, that in any ways, but we need the numbers, whether the. Um, basically, like tobacco treaties or landmine treaties, whether the government has signed the treaty, they have, um, they have all those measures in place, all of the activities in place, and they are implementing it and they are enforcing it. So if not, there is the accountability coming back to the state. So with all of this, I will also just go back to, um, um in Afghanistan, what, what we are as a woman and as a, half of the population of the countries are, are suffering. I'm hearing very sad stories in Afghanistan, which I would like to update here that you know that there are oh, lots of women um, and girls have been uh, prohibited to go to school. They, um, the increase in forced marriage and child marriage and in, in domestic violence and family violence is increasing because of the The presence of the Taliban that they are not, they are prohibiting women from um, experiencing and also practicing their rights. So lots of um, women's rights defenders and human rights defenders have been, unfortunately, have been uh, hunted. They have been arrested. They have been their families would be were arrested and and actually they have been tortured and even we have cases of rape and also uh, sexual assault. So basically with what, we are, what I'm going to talk here is how much the world is waiting for not only women in Afghanistan, but also women around the world to suffer. So the time is now to call for the global treaty, to start the process of the global treaty, ending violence against women and girls. And I think this is the time. Um, thank you. I will stop here. And then now, if any other question, I will respond. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thank you. And we're going to come back to a couple of points you made. And and one of them, actually, I'm going to ask Lila about. Najla mentioned that her organization interacts with governments in these regions. Now, you've been, you know, you're a veteran rights activist, um, and you've been watching all of Central Asia and and what's been going on. What is your impression of of the government's response to the, you know, to these kind of appeals, uh, to these meetings with these kind of organizations when they come around? I mean, Obviously, you know, in public the leaders will say, Yeah, uh, you know, I think every Central Asian president has said, of course, we're for women's rights. But but in fact, what really happens?
3: Yeah, it's good that you asked it's an interesting question. It's something I actually was planning to to talk about. Uh we did hold a large number of meetings, as actually hundreds of uh, diplomatic meetings with the representatives of uh many countries and um actually we've uh, partnered with Najla on a, on a few of them the the impression is 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 interesting the the coolest re- reception that we have so far received uh when we were you know laying out the plan and uh telling the the authorities of these countries the dip- diplomats that the current system is is not meeting the needs of women and girls and is not sufficient however wonderful they are the course reception we have actually been receiving unfortunately from european states and a part of the reason obviously is um uh, is that they see the the current systems um the the current conventions and instruments that we already have they they think that it's sufficient such as the cedaw as najla has mentioned and the istanbul convention i must say i mean cedaw is an important document if not for cedaw we wouldn't be sitting here, right? It has done its job, it's very important. The problem with CETO though is that it's not addressing violence as such. The the countries of Central Asia, how was the reception from the from the from these countries? I was I actually participated in several of those as well. The reception, of course, is much warmer. And you are right. Um, the the representatives of of delegations of these countries, of course, will not say we don't want to support this because we support violence against women. We want women to to to, to continue suffer. They will never say that. Um, they are excited to hear about the 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 possibility of of um, you know having this extra instrument. Um, Their concern, however, is obviously the finances, the funding. Where does the funding come? And as Najla has uh, mentioned, it's the funding, it's possible to raise the funding. That's not, you know, there shouldn't be a a problem, an obstacle that we wouldn't be able to overcome. So generally from from the countries of the global west, I would say the reception is much is, is warm. The, the the authorities do understand the need. And um I it's it's also important to remember that these are the countries uh where violence is pandemic. But it would be wrong to think that Europe is immune to this problem because when we actually met with several European countries, I have mentioned that the safest countries in Europe actually do have over 30, or in some cases, over 50% of cases, well, 50% of women, over 50% of women that are subjected to violence in their lifetime. It's unbelievable. I was actually shocked to to, to see that statistic, and, and the diplomats from those um, very safe countries were quite surprised to hear about that as well. So no country is immune. So generally, generally yes, the... the it, it seems that the countries that suffer the most from violence are ready to, to support this goal, to, to adopt this new instrument that would encompass all of the different approaches in tackling this issue, whereas the, um, the, the countries of Europe are quite doubtful about this. And um, if, I, if I may take up another minute. What we try to tell the diplomats and the, um, the officials when we meet with them is that a new instrument wouldn't really weaken the other existing instruments. We see it as an instrument that is very necessary right now that would fill the gap that we have in the international law in this regard. And we also bring up examples such as, you know, there are so many different conventions where we talk about the same, you know, fundamental rights. We talk in several documents we talk about torture, and they do not weaken each other. They supplement each other, and they are all very, very useful and very important so yeah, hopefully, hopefully we are heard
0: okay, thank you um and gubahar I have a question for you can you have you noticed any changes for the better in at least in the legal situation? Uh, in Tajikistan, you know, certain you, your organization, your center has been there for 27 years. But I'm I'm always been kind of curious about Tajikistan because it's the only play, only country in Central Asia where they have actually enforced like a street harassment law against women. Right, where where guys make some kind of you know bad comments or or something or whistle at them or something. They they actually enforce that in Dushanbe in some places. Is that just for show or or do you notice that this is part of a Uh, even some slight improvement in respecting the rights of women and and trying to curb abuse against women.
1: Uh, Bruce, thank you very much for your question. Uh, I would like, first of all, uh, highlight that uh, we have very interesting panelists. Uh, Najee present us with a global vision of the existing problem, while Leila present the regional situation, Central Asia. I represent a grassroots uh, organization that provides concrete assistance to women and children on daily basis, and we must respond effectively to each fact of violence. Measure improve the whole system, and this is a really uh, all these different type of background. Uh, provide to our audience um, complete uh, objective picture and uh, full uh, perspective. Yes, let me go, go back to Tajikistan and highlight the problem from point of view of the crisis center, which I represent. Tajikistan is traditionally society dominated. Dominated with the uh, patriarchal views of, of women's role in the uh, family and society. The stereotypes are strong and therefore domestic violence is widespread in the society. According to the numerous studies and assessment, at least 50% of women and children in Tajikistan face violence. And the customers' calls uh, to do not reflect the true picture. The problem is highly latent in the society. Uh, the problem uh, number one is um, is that uh, violators often enjoy impunity, while alternative measures such as uh, fines uh, and, for example, restraining uh, orders, protection orders, are not effective. The law of the law on preventing of domestic violence was adopted in two thousand twelve, and focused mostly on the prevention of violence and providing support for victims. Uh, Effective uh, legal mechanism uh, that would allow bringing offenders to justice are not developed. Uh, They are simply not effective. And domestic violence is not uh, treated as a standalone offense. And it's not criminalized in full in criminal court. Uh, The restraining uh, order can be issued uh, that uh, prohibits any violence against the victims. it's prevent the offender from searching, uh, uh, spying on, visiting the victims. It can also contain prohibition of alcohol or drug use for the offender. On average, um, the court uh, issued uh, 2,000 um, approximately annually uh, restricting orders uh, every year. Clearly, this is nowhere near the actual scale of domestic violence in society. Uh, Moreover, the restricting orders uh, are often violated in 70% cases, and uh, these uh, violations are negated by paying a moderate uh, fine. In case of uh, repeated violence and uh, the offender may be subjected to administrative um, detention up to 15 days. Uh, The alternative, uh, according to the Administrative Code of Tajikistan, is uh, a fine uh, of two to five uh, statutory minimum wages. It's very insignificant, like from uh, $10 to $30. And uh, the criminal code uh, lists crimes uh, that can be applied to violators this include homicide, uh, uh, incitement to suicide, uh, injury, uh, torment, sexual act or actions of sexual nature involving a minor. Um, but again, as a criminal uh, prosecution under these articles is uh, initiated upon in the victim's application, which means the woman has to prove the case of violence. Uh, uh, this I- indicates that uh, need to raise women's legal awareness, uh, training uh, that re- police officers, judges, uh, advocates, including improving the uh, gender sensitivity and gender awareness. That's why um, our center is working actively to raise uh, legal awareness of public. And conduct specialized trainings with the law enforcement officials and medical officers. Uh, and uh, again, it's all depend of the uh, public awareness. The case which is you mentioned, Bruce, which has happened uh, in the Dushanbe, it's again its capital where the um, overall public awareness. Um, are higher than in the rural area and the women who are protect their rights, the, who are uh, more active, uh, it's, uh, and they um, was supported by the public women organizations. And, uh, but again, it's a very rare, it's very, uh, it's not common, which is can be, it's not in the everyday and, you know, our life. I, I would like to say that the, the one of the um, problem of a major problem in Tajikistan it's a, is a lack of uh, prevention and support service for victims of domestic violence. The number of checkpoint centers that could provide rehabilitation to victims of violence is clearly insufficient. Uh, there are less than 20 social services like crisis centers and seven shelters for victims of violence in Tajikistan. And most of them are located in Dushanbe and hujan and crisis centres face severe shortage of funding. Uh, you mentioned several times the financing. It's crucial. Yes, uh, we heavily depend on donor support and have trouble retaining and training staff. On the one hand, uh, providing services and support to victims of uh, domestic violence is the job of the governments according uh, to their uh, international obligation. However, the volume of the services provided to victims of violence in Tajikistan remains extremely in- inadequate. On the other hand, the government does not pay enough attention to financing the services from national budget. The result is that uh, the funding is only provided by international donors, and the civil society remains the key partner in providing support to victims of domestic violence. From our experience, I can say uh, we have um, regularly uh, faced shortage of funding, and we are on the verge of closing down two or three times in the last 10 years. And in our crisis center, we maintain um, a mixed fundraising policy, relying on both donor organization and the government, in addition to private donations. We also try running uh, income generating activity so as uh, to maintain the center's operations but so far with a little lack we were actively seeking way to improve uh, financial sustainability of our center in long run this may come into the form of social maybe enterprises at the center where our clients could get temporary employment such as sewing facility or laundry uh, this would also help create job and generate income, uh, however small, for women surviving violence or for the centre. Yes, it's um, it's also. I would like to mention that it's a big uh, area is uh, is uh, in, in improvement of uh, operational overall uh, uh, operational methodology of the crisis centre and shelter. Uh, we still uh, not have uh, common uh, uh, standards. We need to develop um, common standards for the all such kind of um, uh, service providers, improve the services uh, to make them more effective and relevant to the needs of uh, violence uh, uh, survivors. Uh, summing up, uh, there is a shortage of funding. This is a problem. Uh, the financial sustainability is an urgent problem. And the existing uh, centres are actively seeking opportunity to set up any form of income generating activity or even having permanent location. This is also a very burden issue for the crisis centers. From the Sor crisis center example, 15 years ago, we were given an isolated building in the territory of the regional maternity hospital in Hujand. The building is a former boiler room, uh, run down and unusable for the main purpose. It was uh, totally destroyed. We used private donation and grants to renovate it and give it a new lease of life. The building is owned by state. We pay rent to the government and uh, participate in an annual tender to extend the lease term. There is no legal mechanism that would allow us to waive the rent, uh, fix an extended lease term or transfer to building into the central balance. That is why we are currently looking for a donor to buy a building for the crisis center and shelter with more space for women and children, larger kitchen, for example, beds, more beds, and playing hall. Again, it's it's the main issue, again, lack of um, legal support and uh, the financial um, sustainability of crisis center and shelters and uh, improving the overall policy and procedures methodology and develop the common standards in the in the countrywide this is the main um, issue which is facing right now
0: yeah thank you and I guess we're gonna we're gonna have to wrap this up pretty soon but I want to make sure everyone gets to, to say something about this one I'm going to start with you Najla what are the what are the biggest obstacles that you see that uh, organizations like yours uh, or Gulbahar's face in trying to convince authorities to to devote more attention to the problems of women's rights uh, and and to help end uh, abuse and violence against women and girls?
2: Thank you again. The challenges are actually a lot uh, when we are in this fair uh, working on ending violence against women and girls. Particularly right now, we are facing like, um, the most important piece is the political willingness of the authorities that they the willings are there, but the first steps we everybody everybody is waiting for one country or one um authority waiting for another to to respond. We are spending lots of resources on convincing the authorities and also the policymakers, which is um on the other hand the the funding and the support for non-profit organizations are, as you all know, particularly around well, women's issues, are, are shrinking. So that's also another piece um, which we are um, uh, facing. Um, the third part is the political dynamics that we are seeing around the world. Uh, like, for instance, um, um, in different places, we are when we are talking up to the certain level, and then. All of a sudden, the political changes happening, like like uh, elections are coming, or um, other um, other political um, changes are coming. So that's why, um, in majority of places it's it's very hard to start from the zero. Which unfortunately we are again starting with from the zero in, in certain places. So that's also another um, and also another part for the. Um, another uh, challenge in front of us and then um, mainly we also have another challenge that I would like to openly discuss here is also about the about the who has the power at uh, the globally who is who's holding the space that's also another piece like for instance we have um, we are working very closely with so many nations on one hand it's also the idea of Colonialism is also there. That um, certain uh, nations that they they are not letting other, particularly the the people like for instance we have organization uh, sorry countries that they are they suppose and they have to and they must lead the whole process. But we also have countries and nations and also even as a blog that they are because of the uh, because it, it is their pride in, in some of the work that has been done in the past is, is, is their pride so that's also like kind of not directly but indirectly they are not supporting the whole process because they feel that if you're pro, uh, if, you, if they're supporting it will be threatening their work and their their legacy basically so there are so many things that we are facing but the most important piece is that for us, uh, even with the, we have a, a huge force of uh, movement, uh, which um, uh, I mentioned earlier that we are uh, more than two thousand one hundred frontline activists that we are pushing this uh, agenda, and this is we feel and we we believe that, and based on our experiences, which uh, Gulbahar mentioned already that what is really happening on the grassroots. We are the one we have the authority to talk about ending violence against women because we are shouldering the whole burden. I, I feel when I hear from from Gulbahar in the situation in Tajikistan or in Kyrgyzstan or in Afghanistan or anywhere else in the in the in the world, the stories are similar. So that's why we feel we frontline activists, we are urging Authorities, policymakers who are in power, who can make a difference, who can leave the legacy, who can make the, not the woman in the current environment, but also in the future, coming generations safe and secure and protect them. They have to come on board and they have to be uh, stepping in and making an end to this uh, global pandemic. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you very much. And uh, Lila, I want to go to you. and. Uh, kind of a tough question, but, you know, the, when we have these conversations, it's clear that the social pressure is is, is intense upon women to, to keep quiet about these, about being becoming victims, being victimized, sexual violence, domestic abuse, those kind of things. You know, Google Harad mentioned that they, they conduct, of course, meetings and, and lectures to, to specifically to try to shout this out and show that, the, you know, convince people this is this is wrong behavior. It's it's incorrect to do. I mean, how much of a challenge is that? And what, what can, in your opinion, what can be done to change the the views of society? And, you know, we have to be honest about this. It, it, men that are perpetuating it, but a lot of times women um, go along with it because that's the way they've been raised. How do you, how do you fight that back?
3: Yeah, you're absolutely right. There are, uh, unfortunately, many women who are perpetuating violence as well on that for example, a good example of that, for example, are women that participate in bride kidnapping um, because they are there and they're witnessing and um, they're accomplices to a rape taking place, basically. How to change that? Obviously, and hearing Gulbahor is is very painful. And this is exactly what we've been telling to the diplomats and um, the authorities of the countries that we meet with. You can't we, we can't, we shouldn't put all of th- this entire burden on grassroots activists. And they're doing, they are already doing a lot. And you can see also as an observer of Central Asia and a journalist that writes about Central Asia on basically a daily basis, you see that grass activists are, grassroots activists are the ones who are paying the highest price, right? They get arrested. They get harassed. They, they get, you know, all kinds of scary things happening to them for this for helping trying to help women and girls. So obviously the the approach has to be concerted and the approach has to be has to be done by by the state. The the NGOs the activists cannot carry, you know, the full burden of that issue on their shoulders. It has to be the state that is responsible that is providing the necessary tools, the necessary resources, and so on. How do we change uh, the narratives within the society is a very, very important thing, and um, that is actually a part uh, we, that, that Najla has mentioned, a part of the of that concerted approach that we, that we uh, at, at our coalition have developed, and that should be a part of the prevention education, and that should be a part of the training and accountability of the specialists. You know, an example of, of prevention education, aside from what Gulbahor and the activists like her are doing, because that is on a very small scale, right? But the countrywide, there has to be a countrywide strategy. You know, for example, some, some programs, some programs on, on, on government channels that would be, you know, providing information, that would be showing series that talks about, you know, a healthy family relationship, free, free from abuse. That would be teaching people solve it, to solve their problems within the family without the use of violence, for example. Um, but obviously, activists cannot do this th- themselves without the state, you know, allowing this and giving them access to to state television, because that is all censored. That is all controlled by the state. So that content is is totally in control of of the state, and whatever it, whatever narratives are being you know, provided to the population are obviously controlled by, by the state as well. So we cannot do this without states being involved. In regards to, you know, holding the states uh, responsible and accountable for this, th- this is also the problem because, as, as Gurbahor again has mentioned, um, there, there is too, too little resources there are too few shelters, there are too few, you know, hotlines, or maybe none. There is, in some places, no legal framework that would even criminalize certain activities. To, to ask the states of what has been done in the past period is something that we are completely missing right now. You know, a, a clear scorecard where the countries would be asked, how many uh, shelters did you open? How many cases were persecuted? You know, how many, what did you do in the last year, for example, or whatever the the reporting period is? That is something that we don't have. We need to have that. So that, in a nutshell, but we can talk about this for probably for hours, (laughs) to be honest
0: with you. Yeah, I know, I know. And that's the problem. I was supposed to keep this well within an hour. Um, So that does bring us kind of to the end, unfortunately, because... uh, um, I do have to keep it under an hour, but I'm gonna give everyone a chance to make one last comment if you can kind of keep it with to just a couple of minutes, um, things that you think are important to raise. Uh, in your case, Gulbahar, if you want to talk about the Guru source Center. Uh, but but more generally, what what your society or what your organization needs and, and what people outside the outside in the outside world need to know about your organization. So go ahead, Gubakar. I'll start with you.
1: Thank you very much. I would like just one more time to draw for your attention to the Latin nature of the domestic violence in our society. Our center is reputable, yes, trusted. That's why we get a massive number of calls. Women seek support and assistance, but this is just a tip of the iceberg. In ninety-nine cases, women tend to put up with the situation and do not leave the environment of violence, exposing themselves and their children to the risk. Uh, The explanations are numerous. Uh, The first one is a shame. They're afraid of uh, condemnation. They're too embraced to ask their relative to help. They're ashamed of returning to their parents' house. Uh, The second is a fear of the uncertain. Women find it's hard to deal with their housing issues, find a job, get their children sent to new school or kindergarten, all at the, a short notice. With no way out inside, they fell into depression and can over up the violence for a long time. This fear of uncertainty is what uh, prevents women from taking a radical course and forces them to put up with the situation and be patient. It is easy to close one's eyes and yield to the offender, rather than stepping up against uh, the multitude of uh, one's fears and phobias. The third uh, reason is the financial dependence and economically dependence. Therefore, uh, through another organization, uh, the National Association of Businesswomen of Tajikistan, we are uh, we're actively promoting economic programs for women. To expand access to business skills, uh, financial resources. We, de- we, uh, we try to develop their market skills. Uh, we involve, we try to involve them in entrepreneurial activities. Economic empowerment develops uh, its economic and financial independence. This affects the ability to protect their rights and reduce the violence in society. And the fear, of course, often women are driven by instinctive uh, fear. This usually happens in those couples where the male is especially special quell, uh, hysterical, hot, heated. He keeps threatening the victims and his actions uh, are hard to predict. Living in the fear paralyzes the woman and uh, they pre- and prevent her from uh, taking actions. Uh, To be efficient, we have to take a comprehensive approach to provide aid and support to develop rehabilitation and social support plan for each who uh, call us. Sometimes we... We're working on the recovery of destroyed documents, searching for a job, kindergarten, new housing, or legal consultation. Women often come to shelter with children who also need a program of their own with different range of specialists. This is a a lot of work maintaining and supporting such services as crisis center and shelter. And it is hard to survive without government support to be relied just on for the donor funds it's also not um, secure us we uh, will concentrate our efforts in the next uh, few years uh, to lobby uh, for for the to improve uh, of funding for the more effective implementation of what already uh, adopted in Tajikistan like law of domestic violence And uh, we will try to maintain social services, um, to ask government to maintain social services from the state budget. Yes, it's it's a long way. Uh, We uh, have a strong uh, experience in the past, but still we have so many things to do in order to change the society yes, as Alela mentioned, to create enough and adequate number of uh, social services providers, which is equal to the size of the problem. And without uh, not declarative support from the government side, without actually effective financing, it will be really difficult to be effective and to provide uh, effective response to the current situation.
0: Okay, thank you. Uh, Najla, uh, anything you want to, something you want to say at the end, something we missed, something about your organization, something about the, the problem of violence against women?
2: Yes. Actually, uh, my point was actually to to talk that my last uh, call will be actually that women and girls cannot wait because, as I mentioned earlier, that the call for the global treaty, globally binding document or globally binding uh, legal framework has been begun thirty years ago, so we need to stop and ask ourselves: Is the current framework adequate to address this uh, this problem? Which we all say, uh, while of course, while extraordinary advances have been achieved in the past, but the answer is, of course, and absolutely not. So that's why our organization is working on. To Because of the lack of the legally binding instrument lives the lives of women and girls in pair, we are working and we will be working and we are urging the international community, the uh, international leaders to step in and make an end to this uh, global pandemic. So uh, my organization is also inviting our activists, uh, frontline activists around the globe. Whomever is listening to this podcast is to please join us. And we will be, we will be, we are a movement, a civil society, and women's rights movement. And we would, we would love to have more voices to come and more um, grassroots, uh, particularly grassroots voices, to make the global leaders pay attention to this global problem. Thank you so much again.
0: Thank you. Lila. Yes.
3: The, the violence against women and girls is a human rights violation. It's, it's actually the most widespread human rights violation. The, the shocking reality is that, you know, in most of the cases, it's not seen as such. It's, people just fail to see it as a human rights violation. And in the present time, it's, it's very urgent for us and for the states. Uh, especially for those who are in the position to be champions, those states that have always been the champions of human rights, to support this um, this call for adoption of a new instrument that would encompass all of the different approaches that have, by themselves, proven to be effective, but we just need to to use them in a concerted manner. So, yeah, my 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 ask is for for the countries that can do this to um to join the call to search out the college and every woman uh, treaty and find lots of material about uh, this issue on their website and um yeah uh, help us move this um, issue forward towards our goal to ensure safety to women and girls around the globe because, as I have mentioned, there is no country that is immune to it. It doesn't matter if you are a Western European country or 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 w- wherever you are, you are not immune, and um, a half of your population is subjected to violence, which is um, which has been proven by experts. Yeah, so <laughs> that's it from me.
0: Thank you, uh, thank you, Lila, and uh, also thank you, Najla, and thank you, Gulbakhsh, for being on the program. Uh, and a big thanks, as always, to Nathan Schumaker, our Medjly's podcast producer in Washington, D.C. And a reminder, you can subscribe to the Medjly's podcast or its Central Asian Focus newsletter by visiting Radio for Europe Radio Liberty's website at RFARL.org. Thank you very much. We'll be back next week. Bye bye.